Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Human Behavior Show, another episode and another great guest. We're going to be joined today by my dear friend, Johnny, uh, Johnny Nash, who is one of the top recruiters. And this is going to be a very practical and useful episode for a lot of people on how to realize your goals. Johnny is an amazing audio creator, speaker. He hosts a lot of great shows on the Human Behavior Club over on Clubhouse and is also kind of a pioneer in LinkedIn audio and overall hosts some very good quality rooms with a lot of deeper thinking. So a lot of people host, um, you know, shows that may be very generic, but Johnny seems to ask the deeper questions. And that's why I really wanted to get him early on in the podcast as we do these 30 minute high value um, podcasts and Guys, the Human Behavior Show is available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So please subscribe, and I'd love your feedback. So, Johnny, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here. I'd love for you to kind of explain what you do and your background to the listeners, because I think this will be a super episode for everyone. Thank you so much for the kind introduction, Doctor Seb. And uh, you know, it's been amazing to get to know you in the last year and a half. Uh, virtually, we got to meet up uh, uh, in the physical as well. Especially, I think we both live in London. <laughs> yeah, we should do pretty soon, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, you've done such an amazing job with human behavior. One of the biggest followed clubs on social audio and such a great community builder. Um, for me, um, yeah, I, I, I lo- I've got an intense curiosity in terms of life and topic areas around business, careers, psychology. Um, I go with where my curiosity goes, hence the questions that I ask. And I think I would always say that to anybody. Don't be something you're not. Follow who you are. And I think people will either resonate or not. That's certainly not a copy of. You can learn from other people the best and the bad bits. Um, but be what you are authentically and then build something around it. So that's what I've done with the recruitment of careers and also other thought-provoking topic areas within the Human Behaviour Club uh, and on social audio so i've been in the, i basically came from the iran iraq war um left the war zone to come to the uk couldn't speak a word of english had an eye defect um and i and didn't have much confidence because when you have a bit of an eye defect basically my eye defect is when i glance to my left my eye doesn't move in the, the right in that in the, in the in the correct direction is my left eye i didn't realize till later down the line my parents didn't even tell me because they didn't want me to be conscious about it till other people were saying oh what's wrong with your eye um and that made you conscious of school and stuff like that earlier on because you didn't want to put yourself front and center um didn't want to even raise your hand and that weakness which was a tremendous weakness um turned into a super strength of mine uh my ability to read people their verbals and their non-verbals which i've taken into the field of recruitment and careers now for over 25 years where i'm ranked in the top one percent by linkedin for um headhunters and coaches I, i do a lot of coaching around careers and accountability coaching that's my forte um, how to overcome adversity, how to land your dream job, career pivots, um, climbing the career ladder, all things to do with, uh, with a career. Everybody has a career from a sports star to a business person, you name it. Um, and I've placed over 3,000 people today featured uh, in CIO Times in the top five people changing the world of recruitment and careers, Forbes registered. Um, and I'm passionate about social audio. 
it's what resonates with me is, uh, is I think you can tell so much more about a person second to meeting them uh, with their voice. So for me, uh, social audio didn't come naturally at first, I must say. Uh, so when I came on Clubhouse and stuff, I was bloody nervous um, because he was, like, <laughs> it was, un- it was uh, you're outside of your comfort zone. And the only way you can develop and improve is when you get comfortable with being uncomfortable. But um, but then soon loved him. I think we all got addicted to it at the beginning and it calms down and everything. So that's a bit about me, but back to you. Yeah, Johnny, what a fantastic story. I actually didn't know some of those details um, on how you went through a bit of adversity and kind of turned it into a strength. And you're kind of a master of that. And you, I know you advise a lot of people as well on you know what direction to take when they're often lost. And you kind of always seem to be as a helpful, someone who's really helpful, right? And you really come across that way and very authentic. And some of the room titles you do as well are very interesting. You're not scared to just call out things how they are and really get to the crux of it, which is very different, I guess, to some of the the audio type of creation uh, we, we're used to, which can be a bit clickbaity, can be a bit, you know, just cliche. Um, I think your rooms is generally asking people genuinely about um, why things happen, what their take is. And I really like that aspect. And, I mean, your journey is phenomenal. I mean, Iraq, Iran, war, um, not being able to speak English. So you kind of um, carry what you preach. You've you've been through difficulties and turned them into advantages and worked hard to get where you are. I mean, getting in the top 1% is not easy by LinkedIn. LinkedIn is such a competitive space. It's insanely competitive. Um, And... um, to see that and you hosted the human behavior club over on linkedin audio and super helpful like johnny got me on straight away he hosted my club and he, he he reaches out to you with opportunities and i really appreciated that and you said it was difficult to start but you have grown into this natural audio creator um so i do want to touch upon that as we kind of get on with this show first of all though uh, we do have a caller so i will try and take the caller name is also johnny Hope it's not a double Johnny, but a, do we have a caller called Johnny? And in the meantime, I want to know, you work out in recruitment, helping people find the right careers, headhunting people. What do you look for? What are some of the traits or attributes um, that you look for in potential people? And, and how would you advise someone who has a goal but has no idea how to realize it? How would they go up in setting up a plan to achieve it? Yeah, really good questions. Um, obviously, all great people are called Johnny. Just joking. <laughs> um, but, um, <laughs> so yeah, it is. It is competitive. Um, LinkedIn recruitment, coaching. I think there's five million profiles with the word coach on LinkedIn, and there's more recruitment agencies in the UK than the whole of Europe together. Often in life, so it's just getting an opportunity an opportunity whereby we can showcase how good we really are. And you don't want to be the world's best kept secret. And that applies to anything, whether it's business, social audio, careers. If you don't put yourself front and center and out there, especially in such a competitive age we're living in, because I feel like we've got more opportunities than ever before, but at the same time, it's it's harder than it's ever been because we live in a globalized world we've got remote working we've got competition left right and center people are we've got the rise of ai and automation looking to replace 40 percent of all jobs uh in the next uh, five to seven years so i think you're going to have the super jobber those are going to be automated away and one of the things as a headhunter as a recruiter when you're looking for clients you 
want candidates that are on top of their brief, at least, in terms of if you're matching them up to an organization, I call myself the matchmaker. It's not just assessing competencies and skills, but it's also assessing personality fit, cultural fit, team fit, where the two parties are going to Gonna gonna match a bit like dating. I know you have uh, a dating app, and being an entrepreneur that you are, um, on a first date you either like each other, or yeah, you feel there's chemistry, or there's red flags where you feel like you know what, be nice, but thanks, but no thanks, and you walk away, or you decide to go into a, a permanent relationship. So I do that for clients with candidates. I look to help them in terms of what they want to do and where they want to go. So my first question always to them is, what do you want? And at times I'm, I'm surprised by the hesitancy or the lack of a response because for some, they haven't quite figured out what they want. They're doing what maybe their parents want. That can be cultural lines or they're doing what's perceived to be the want thing to do. So they can't jump on the bandwagon of say crypto or blockchain whatever it is but in fact it's not really what they want so how do you expect to know where to get to if you don't know where to get to so first and foremost you need to establish the, the direction of travel and then after that you want seriousness in the process so if you're taking a candidate on the job journey uh, from hello to hire the client, you want someone who matches the same level of seriousness to the application. It's not just like at a whim. If someone's just doing it, oh, you know, just fancy doing it, or I'm not, I'm not really looking to leave. Um, I just was fishing. Then that would be a no-no because it's just a waste of everybody's time. Um, it's not like when you're searching for properties at seven or eight o'clock at night on Rightmove, which is the nation's in the UK's nation's favourite hobby to do, apparently. When in the world of jobs, you know, every time is money, money's time. Um, so that is what those are the kind of aspects. And then you're looking for someone who can communicate who they are and what they're about. Because if you can't communicate your story or what you've done, then you're going to have a hard job doing that with a client to land the job. So we've got to improve our storytelling, our ability to communicate. Communication skills are so, so important. And it's been more and more important because what we're finding with trends with, with recruitment and careers is that two jobs go into one. So once upon a time, there used to be business systems analysts. Um, you know, uh, Sorry, there used to be business analysts and systems analysts. Now clients want business system analysts, two into one, where someone's technical, but they can also speak to the business, the stakeholders, non-technical people, because there's more and more drive to look for more, more value from people all the time. So communication skills, emotional intelligence skills, seriousness, sense of urgency as well, then those are all tick, tick, ticks. If look, someone's looking to be coached, you have to do the fact find in establishing what is going on. What's the, you know, because sometimes people come to you with a problem, but actually once you've done the fact find and asked the right kind of open questions and, and listen to them, the problem that they thought they might have when they do like a life scoreboard check um, is not in fact the real problem. There's something else going on behind the scenes or is more nuanced. So, with coaching, you have to establish the the ground and the background and what's going on and what the problem is. And then you can coach against that problem and start having goals and setting goals and more importantly, holding the person accountable to the goals. Back to you. 
that's actually really interesting, Johnny, how you um, kind of described that because I think we've discussed this. This is on LinkedIn audio, actually. I myself at times felt like, am I in the right career? And I'm a medical doctor, which was, it's a very vocational course. You commit to 18, like we've discussed in the UK. And then it's a very, um, you know, singular path almost. And it's not really thought of well culturally and amongst, you know, clinicians to step away from that or to utilize the skills, the transferable skills you, you've learned in, in different um, you know, jobs experiences. And we know this tech boom that's happened in the last 10, 15 years and jobs have changed so much. And you see the Silicon Valley, I think the average person stays at a job for, you know, about two years in Silicon Valley. It's insane, the amount of job hopping. And Johnny, when I've come to your rooms, I've learned a lot about the landscape of of where careers are right now. And that kind of process you described on how someone needs to have that right motive and look at their skill sets. And then you map out this journey of getting that right job and fit for you. Um, for me, it was, it was pretty, I guess, messy because I didn't have someone like you available. And I wish I had reached out to you on LinkedIn or I'd had that connection on Clubhouse, um, you know, maybe a year before I actually did because I needed someone like that. I, I knew what I wanted in terms of, I knew what I enjoyed. I enjoyed human psychology behavioral science. I loved AI and tech. I did love health and medicine as well. Um, but I wanted something, a role which combined um, all of those feats. And you mentioned very, very aptly at the start that how AI coming in is changing the nature of jobs and automation replaced so many. And it's interesting because one of my friends talked about how doctors can't take that a lot of their jobs will be actually taken over because yes, doctors are highly trained, but if you think about it, the, the medical caring role is what, what is actually needed. We'll need more of the role of a nurse, that caring aspect and communication aspect that robots or AI will struggle to emulate. And I've been to many AI conferences to kind of hear that, but uh, doctors don't think of it that way. Um, so essentially, a lot of it can be replaceable. Obviously, it'll take quite a few years, but I do see that. And having that leap of confidence to kind of feel switch and use your skills in different ways kind of happened to me by chance. I mean, social audio became big with the human behavior club. Um, I work for a company called Havas now as a medical advisor. And we work a lot in marketing and health communications, which involve a lot of what I'm interested in behavioral psychology. We look at digital health apps. Um, we look at um, you know, social media. So a lot of the things I was interested in just seemed to align. Uh, but I would love to have had more of a you know, and options available to me and knowing what my skill sets match to. And that's why I think a coach or someone in recruitment would have been super, super useful to help me kind of myself out. Because my approach was, I actually did hit LinkedIn. I hit LinkedIn and I talked to about 40 or 50 people and I wasn't sure if I wanted to continue in just clinical medicine alone. And I asked them how their career turned out. And that was a mistake because that drove me into analysis paralysis because every individual had their own viewpoint if i asked a public health consultant they told you their own story a gp would tell you their own story someone who'd pivoted and started their own startup had their own viewpoint someone who'd you know gone to management consulting had that so it was very hard to collate or equate all those pieces of information and it just made me really confused and if i had a central focal point someone to go to to coach me through it it would have been valuable and looking back I wish I'd had that, but fortunately things have ended so far, <laughs> have gone well starting my startup and the things I've been able to involve with are all very passionate and, and I wake up a lot happier than I used to. So Johnny, I find I find this really interesting 
And I guess with that, I do want to go to Johnny, who is a caller for us. So, Johnny, I do want to give the mic to you before we continue the interview, if you want to ask anything or make any comments. Sure, sure. Uh, so, actually, two things. Um, I believe my comments or my ideas are a little bit out of the scope of what you guys are talking about. Uh, but um, there is one other thing that actually is in context, uh, and that is that um, over the last two years, I've been studying coding, um, computer, what do you call uh, coding, right, programming, and uh, kind of run into a snag uh, where uh, I just can't get over this logic. I'm learning JavaScript right now, and almost have, I got a, like a mental block, you know. No, I paid money sometimes to uh, to study this, and I've been at it for quite a while, and I just want to know if you had any tips, any thoughts about how somebody who's learning a brand new career, because it is brand new to me, uh, how I might be able to get over the, the, the hump of uh, understanding or, or uh, in, uh, in a, how can I say, implicating, uh, implying, not implying, the word I'm looking for is uh, implementing uh, logic, you know, in, uh, in JavaScript. Are you familiar with uh, having experience in coding? Hi, Johnny. Uh, first yeah, of all, hi. great, great name. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I'm not a techie person, mm -hmm. so I wouldn't know the ins and outs of Java or techie stuff, but it sounds like you're, you're teaching yourself in terms of being self-taught uh, on the coding uh, yep. side of things. Is that right? Yep, that's right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we've got a great chef uh, coming away from uh, tech world um, that managed to reach three stars without ever being taught or trained anywhere and he's called Heston Blumenfeld um, and he was self-taught um, in a different kind of sector altogether so you can do it I think Elon Musk was talking about the fact that even in Tesla they're not even looking at people at times that have to have a college degree you know he's looking for innovation so I would say if you're passionate about it, you really like to do it, and this is what you're interested in, and you feel like there's a talent there, um, uh, mm -hmm. do it, because life is too short. But look to get certifications uh, around right. Java. So yeah, are you a front-end or a back-end kind of person? Um, yep. Look to get some certifications, because certifications trump um, a degree in IT or something. So if you can get certifications, even if you're self-taught, that will give some confidence and credibility because the reality is with business and companies, they're looking for the best they can get for their buck. Right. So if they have candidate B, C, and D, and E against yourself, and B, C, D, and E have got like maybe a degree, and, if, and put that to one side, they've got certifications, et cetera, et cetera, as well as experience, they're going to choose the experience and the certifications. If they, if they, if you can pivot, if you can position yourself in starting out within the sector or industry uh, at the beginning, then what I would do is the one the jobs right at the start of an IT career. Uh, people don't have experience, so you'll get people on a graduate scheme, scheme and stuff like that that will get into some companies. But outside of graduate schemes and stuff, you might have opportunities with organizations, especially in areas where getting talent uh, is, is proving challenging. 
because of the location. We have it here in the UK, say, for example, in Scotland or in Newcastle. It's much harder to get talent than it is in London, which is like the world's capital. So if you can have a certification on top of all the self-taught stuff, which then will give credibility to think, you know what? Uh, he's got these certifications as well. Um, maybe we'll give him, an op- give him an opportunity to interview. So I would look to do that. Okay. Great. Good advice. Thank you very much. And as for the other thing, I think I'll, I'll save that for another time. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Johnny. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, fancy having two Johnnies on stage. Yeah. So, Johnny, um, that was kind of a great example of how um, you know you um, guide people, and you you have this almost positive information of how someone may look to navigate their career. What are your thoughts on people who do feel switch? How you know far is too far? Um, and, and you talked about getting creditations and degrees not being as important as we you know, move forward. You gave the example of Elon's companies, uh, Tesla. Um, and with Web3 coming, a lot of people are saying that people will be now showing their work more so. I mean, in a lot of these, you know, if, if you're a coder, a lot of companies ask for you to show your work, what you've worked on, rather than looking at your credentials. Because a lot of things we can just learn, right? And if we don't implement them or apply them, do we really know them or do we know them for that exam? right? It's how good you are as good as what you're implementing day to day. And it's interesting because I talk about that with medicine as well. We learn everything in five years, but how much of that percentage do we actually retain? It's what we're practicing day to day, right? So what are your thoughts on that? It's a really good question because I've been thinking about this. How much knowledge do I have from anything that I was taught at school of all the qualifications that I have had, uh, not as much as your good self. It's, it's probably very little. Um, Whereas I go on a social audio app like Clubhouse and it's like the MBA of life. I've learned some, I would say I've learned more about many other aspects of life and business, marketing, branding, all kinds of things in a condensed year and a half on that um, than school or university in some ways. Um, it's an interesting one because sometimes if there isn't a market for us, we have to create the market. So that's where the entrepreneurialism comes in. So if we don't get the opportunity because what happens is a lot of companies copy each other. So they'll say they're innovating and different. Some are more likely they're quirky in the way they interview and things, but they'll say the same things on their job descriptions, essential requirements, desirable requirements, looking for company, looking for people experience within their sector, blah, blah, blah. So if you're making a pit, wanting to make a pivot or, trying to get yourself out of one area into another you have to just constrain transferable skills and what happens with most people is they want to run before they can walk so they want to move from one sector say airlines and then all of a sudden go into artificial intelligence you know you have you have to just concentrate on the next step and then after doing one step you make another step you make another step and you form a bridge and is that bridge between one area to another area or one sector to another sector makes the pivot. And is the and that's where most people get lost because we live in instant gratification kind of culture. They they want to think they, they think I'll stop the bridge or the steps. I just want the end prize. Tell me how to do that. I want it like yesterday. And unless you know someone, which is another way in, let's face it, it's not what you know, it's who you know, they can open the door and say, Look, I've got this really great guy. He hasn't got exactly what we want, HR or the talent acquisition team. 
but I know he can do it or she can do it. He's got, he or she's really intelligent, got the transferable skills. Um, so don't worry about the usual kind of processes and, and JD. Uh, I want to give this person an opportunity. Then that's another way in. And that comes through the power of your networking of who you know rather than what you know. And that is really more important than ever before. I think there's some studies now. We're almost reverting back to the 1920s here in the UK. Half of the British Olympic team, Saheb, came from private schools. You know, why do people oh, go wow. to private <laughs> Yeah, why do people go to private schools? Because they, parents have this pressure where they feel like they will get opportunity of outcome through the contacts they develop, right? Um, so I think there was a study whereby even people that came out of private school in, in comparison to those from state school, they went to Oxbridge. Those that went from state school to Oxbridge, Oxford or Cambridge, in their degree results, actually performed 18% better than those from private school. But it reverses completely on its head when it comes to the world of work because those from private school tend to mop up the senior jobs. Why? Because there's something called an affinity bias. You know, if the hirer comes from a private school and stuff like that, they relate more, they get more kind of opportunities, they mop out, mop, uh, mop the, the, the top-end jobs. So it's either the bridge of the pivot or the power of the network. I hope that helps. That's actually really interesting when you think of it from a psychological perspective, affinity, affinity of your network, who you know. And I can definitely see those biases. I mean, in terms of knowledge, I would say my knowledge prior to Human Behavior Club was on a pretty similar level to what it is now. Obviously, with every year, passing year, you get more wisdom and you learn more things, but it's probably still a linear trajectory. Um, and just having been able to prove building a community on Human Behavior Club and people just hearing me speak in public and share my knowledge, um, I get a lot more opportunity and a lot more people are willing to back me because of that success. And I see that bias. Um, whereas if I think about it, maybe a few years ago, um, you know, I, I still had that grit to work. I still had, you know, my degrees, etc. But maybe people were less likely due to other factors, you know, age and experience and, and not having seen, you know, I mean, proven myself in, in certain spheres. And, and it's interesting because that's why almost why we make decisions, right? I remember I got into Cambridge Medical School back when I was 18 and I did not want to go. My, my dad, and he, he said these lines to me. He said, look, a name like Cambridge, and this is kind of what we get brought up in the British culture as well. Um, he said, if you have Cambridge attached to your name, um, any company will take you. If you want to pivot from clinical medicine, go into whatever, they will take you with open arms. And that was one of the selling points they kept pushing me. But for me, it was like, am I doing it just for a name or am I doing it to develop the right skills? And I should actually go to Manchester because the course suited my style. It meant I was had flexibility to go to business school for a year. And it just suited me a lot better than going to a place that maybe had this brand value like Cambridge. And, and undoubtedly it does, and it would have opened a lot of doors, but I may not have enjoyed myself or developed the skills I thought I needed. And we see this with Harvard, Stanford, Oxford, Cambridge, these type of names, and that's why people seem to go to them. But maybe we are moving towards an economy where you prove your work in different ways. But having said that, we know, as you pointed out, Influence, a following, social audience makes a big difference um, to how we're perceived. And you see that with, even nowadays, if I'm on Instagram, when I see a psychologist with 100K followers, they may not be the best, most qualified psychologist, but they just have a large audience. And that's why people will pick them over someone 
who doesn't have that following? So I think social media has changed the game in terms of perceptions, how we're perceived. And that's something really important in terms of human psychology. And Johnny, I love some of those rooms that you've done on on certain topics in psychology and, and how we perceive things. And, and I definitely will get you on on a further podcast to discuss some of those. I think we can really dive deeper. So to finish off in these last few minutes, Johnny, I want to know what your take is on social audio uh, being created yourself what do you think the future is do you think it's a platform that will stick i know you've run a lot of rooms on this are you bullish on it um love to hear your perspective and then finally we'll hear about where people can follow you and reach out to you yeah it's been a really good conversation um and see you have talent and hard work and when you have talent and hard work it becomes epic you know you've got to have talent and you've got to have hard work um, and that's what gets you on to achieve a success. So that's why you're able to turn your hand to many things um, and belief. So social audio, you know, it's a tough one because I go back and forth with it. You know, I love it. I think it's here to stay. Um, I have my moments where I think, are we wasting our time? But I do believe people, you know, the, the thing that most people like out of anything is to hear the sound of their own voice. So it gives a platform for many people to have that, but it's also an opportunity to have voices that otherwise wouldn't be heard because they're drowned out by algorithms or they're not able to gamify as well as other people. And, and if you can stand out with the power of your voice through content, then I think social audio can be an amazing thing. The problem they all have with it is most people are either oblivious or not that interested in social audio, in particular the UK, which came as a surprise because anything US, you look at Twitter, you look at Snapchat, you look at Instagram, Facebook, all of them, usually we follow by the commonality of culture and language, but not so much with social audio. And you wonder why. And I think it's because nowadays as well, time of investment put into things people want everything quickly we live in such fast-paced lives it's like a rat race uh content is becoming more and more bite-sized our attention spans are getting less and less because of technology and mobile phones etc um and then you've got social audio which is the outlier to all of it which is going to bucks that trend um but then you've got the example of podcasts and how popular they've been but they haven't got the same engagement as what a social audio uh, platform can give you. So I think in the end it will work. It's whether it be a supplementary feature to social media rather than a pure play like a clubhouse um, or whether the clubhouse is gold, which it does have that sense of community trumps all. Um, and because it's known for that, it doesn't confuse the user base. So people go on to Twitter, they predominantly do to tweet or um, Facebook tried it, but it seems to have died off green rooms. They had their Gemophon uh, fest that didn't really work. Um, I think they're trying it again. You've got LinkedIn that are going at a snail's pace with it, still in beta phase, but they've got the potential in terms of monetization because of the demographics there, the decision makers, the, the level of people that uh, can be your audience. Because if you're not building a brand and you're not getting enough distribution channel, then the big influencers uh, won't really look at it. 
which may not be a bad thing because if we just want influencers to dominate everything like Locus is, then he doesn't give the chance to the regular guy, to the new talent, to the new person, right? Um, and I think that's refreshing. That's what Clubhouse could have the potential of. So I think it will boil down to the amount of time put into the investment back. Are you getting relationships that benefit your business, that um, enhance your career? Are you monetizing off of it? Are you monetizing through it? Um, because unless that is solved, then they'll have a content creation problem because content creators will think stuff this, I'll just do a two minute, uh, 30 seconds to a minute uh, reel or a TikTok video, whatever it is, job done, move on to my the next thing in my day. So that's that's what I think. What do you think? Johnny, I've loved what you've said and I've been wanting to chime in on each point that you mentioned. Um, I think you're very right. If we see social audio and TikTok, almost the two pandemic social medias that started to kind of sprout. Um, one needs a lot of attention or attention, which is more longer form. You can be doing other things, which is the advantage of social audio, right? You could be in the gym, you can be driving. And the other, you just consume mass 30 second videos, sounds, music, entertainment, all this over, you know, stimulation of your dopamine system being thrown at you in entertainment form. And it's pretty addictive. People waste a lot of time on TikTok and, and, you see both of them and, 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 you know, TikTok is, is, has really, um, done super well in terms of engagement and users and virality. That virality function really, it drives engagement as well. Anyone can go viral any point. People love that fact. Whereas seems to be in existing social audio platforms, you have to try and build that brand. It takes a lot more, you know, curation. It's a lot more authenticity. Someone's voice tells a lot. So I think it can be used better for expertise. Um, it's really good for socializing, but then we know podcasts are big. Joe Rogan, I'm such a big podcast, for example, right? Um, so you would think social audio would have a place as well, live interaction. Um, however, um, what I do see is that I think podcasts have very loyal followings, niche followings, and you see YouTube channels of podcasts or, um, you know, podcasts on Apple and Spotify. Um, and it seems to have built over, over time and then people start sharing it around. Social audio, I think works better when you have like, like I'm doing this on calling up, right? You have this live interaction feature, but then also it turns into a podcast. So you have two, because I think people return, they want to be able to follow up and, and keep on top of episodes, but they can't tune into every show. I don't think people like having to be there at a certain time every week for example that's a very hard in this kind of time like you said this time poor economy we just don't have time right and eventually when you don't make a few sessions you just drop off so i think definitely there'll be an archetype of person who likes social audio i think it's very new and i feel like a lot of people can find a lot more value from it because Video, I think, slows things down a lot. You have to really take care of how you're looking. I mean, the number of people, I, if I have to, if I, if I was to do an experiment, ask people, would they jump on a video call with me to record? A lot of people would give me a date a month in, a month in advance. As soon as I say it's just audio, no video, people jump on straight away. It's so easy to get a guest to jump on. And that has been part of my success on social audio. I had the networking contacts, but I was able to just activate all these very interesting guests because there were no barriers to entry, right? Um, even doing a podcast with airwaves, I did one processing all those times really put you off uh, on call in, for example, I do, I'll do this episode, Johnny, and, and it'll be ready on Apple and, 
and Spotify within, you know, 10, 15 minutes, which is so, so efficient. So it makes it worth it for A, the person doing the podcast down, you know, the sunk costs are very low. Um, and then B, it allows people to do both, interact live and then also listen to it as well. So I think it'll be super interesting. I think you're right. The monetization part has to be super careful creators need to be rewarded um you see that on other social media platforms social audio is just trying to fix figure that out some platforms are doing it a lot better than others um and i think clubhouse definitely needed to fix that one i think that's been definitely one of the thorns um in their side for sure and i think let's see i think as web3 economy develops and we start looking more virtual avatars maybe social audio is that launching pad for this new this new world so that would be my take and i agree johnny with a lot of what you've said and i'd love to kind of have a focused episode on on just this subject alone but johnny thank you for coming on the show really appreciate you coming on the human behavior show i would love for you to share where people can go to you for help for advice to book in with you and to follow you as well um please could you share that with the listeners yeah i thoroughly enjoy this thank you so much for inviting me you always hold great spaces um, and yeah, we, we could speak about social audio for hours, I guess. Um, I, I think the best platforms are either, uh, obviously we've got Clubhouse, but put that to one side, is LinkedIn. Uh, so Johnny Nash on LinkedIn, um, you can find me. Uh, so if you put Johnny Nash Recruitment Careers, uh, you'll find me on LinkedIn. And also you'll find me on TikTok. TikTok is actually becoming my favorite platform i quite enjoy it um surprisingly so you can find me johnny nash one-to-one on tiktok and i do quite a lot of videos uh on there i love it they're using tiktok that's something that early pandemic johnny i jumped on and a lot of people had this impression of tiktok that it was a bit embarrassing maybe a doctor shouldn't be on it and i did shy away and i didn't put out that much content now i regret it because one of my friends dr shah who, who i will bring on this podcast as well has 13 million followers now on tiktok and he's a dermatologist wow. his life has changed over a year yeah he has partnered with CeraVe, all the skin brands right he has become a celebrity just through tiktok and i remember because we became friends when he was on a few thousand followers and we started talking and we started doing the clubhouse room and i did not jump on tiktok because i was a bit i guess i was like mm, people were you know throwing all sorts of things about tiktok but now it's it's a it's a really good platform for engagement to talk to followers. It's very authentic as well. So 100% it's super cool that you're on that one. And and another kind of comment was Instagram Live is very interesting. I kind of just checked one that was going on by a doctor and he has like three, four million followers. And there was only 117 people tuning in with video. So if we translate that on audio, um, I mean, Human Behavior Club, we get about, you know, thousand people in and out of the room in an hour on average. So maybe audio is easier to engage with than video and IG lives have not been that popular by and large. So it's interesting what people think about live content versus recorded consumption on demand type of content. Yeah, that is really interesting. It's amazing, isn't it? For all that, for for all those followers, uh, 170 people. And like you said, in Human Behavior Club, you know, regularly get over a thousand. Yeah. uh, Social audio, uh, because you built such an amazing club there. So it's it's an established thing. It's just such easy convenience. People could be in their t-shirt, shorts, whatever, doing multiple tasks, just listening in and then chiming in whenever they want. Uh, And TikTok, I only discovered it since Christmas time. I was, I was, I had some time off rarely. And I looked at this app and I thought, oh, I'll try this TikTok. What's this about? Um, and then I went on it and I thought it was quite interesting. And then like you, I had my own perceptions and I was a bit reluctant. Then before you know it, you get into it and 
the rest is history. But yeah, we've got to keep doing things because you'd love to be loyal to one particular app, but it doesn't work like that. You've just got to have enough distribution channels for your mission and your and your message. And uh, for anyone listening, definitely one of them is Human Behaviour Club on Clubhouse. And it's been an absolute joy and collaboration to work with you and, and collaborate with you. You know, you're a great leader and great community builder. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Johnny. Loved what you've said and keep up the TikTok. And I hope to host you again here on Calling Up. So this has been a good discovery for me. Like I've been wanting to do a podcast for a while, but it's just the number of, you know, barriers that you need is just very energy consuming. And Colin has made that a lot easier. So uh, thanks for the team at Colin as well. And thanks guys. You were listening to Johnny. Johnny shared a lot of very interesting insights. So please do follow him. We talked about turning your goals into reality and some of the steps you can take. I will catch you guys on the next episode. Please subscribe. This will be available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and download the Colin app. I hope to see you guys in the next show. Thanks, Johnny. Take care. Bye.